Well, good morning. It's a privilege once again to be before you. The Lord has uh, truly blessed my life, and I'm very thankful for this opportunity. So we are on. Okay, good. Um, So if I have a tendency to rush through this a little bit, the reason is, is that my daughter Caitlin (laughs) has been texting her mother, and it's real soon. So I pray that the Lord holds for about another 30, 40 minutes or so. So I just don't run out of here and leave, leave it empty. But I'm sure there's pinch hitters here, as this church has uh, proven in the past. So I'd like to ask the Lord to bless this, uh, bless this time together. I need to do that. I have to do that. Because I have nothing to say. I pray it's the Lord that speaks today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful to be here. We're thankful why we're gathered here. We're thankful for your love. And Lord, we're thankful for the song that was sung by Taylor. Places where grace is. And Lord, we pray that there's a place that we can remember where we met that grace of yours. And Lord, as we go into the word today, we pray that you just bless it. We pray you prepare our hearts. We pray you just block out any distraction that may avoid us from hearing what you have to say to each and every one of us today. Lord, I do ask your blessing upon this time. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this topic came to me um, a couple of months ago when my uh, wife Kathy and my granddaughter Kayla um, decided to do a project in the backyard. And the project was to plant a couple of bell pepper seeds. She's never done that before. And and we got flowers, but we really have no vegetables or or fruits in our backyard. So I was kind of curious to see what would happen. What would happen from that little seed with some time and care? What would happen? What would happen? So they started out, and what was interesting is that Kathy and I, we were cutting some vegetables, and we opened up one of the bell peppers, and we noticed how many seeds were in it. This is the bell pepper that we spent money on at the store. Here's potential bell peppers right in front of us. They took a little care, a little time, that could bear fruit for us to consume. So they started out with the project. They had to prepare, prepare the seed for planting. So they had to get a container. They had to prepare the soil, putting it into the container. They planted the seed. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. But what happened takes time. It took a little bit of time. But it also took some care. 
Seeds are an amazing thing. They're an amazing gift from God. When they give us food like this, what I, what I found kind of amazing about it is that when we cut open the bell pepper, there were more seeds in there. There were more potential bell peppers. Not just bell peppers, but any fruits and vegetables, anything. That's an amazing plan that God has given us. That we can consume this vegetable or this fruit. And there's an opportunity inside of each one of those to regenerate itself. To plant another apple tree. To plant another fruit tree. Those little seeds. But what it takes is care. What it takes is water. It takes food. It takes light. And patience. But through that, uh, food will come up. Food that is good for us to eat and to consume that is, keeps us and gives us life. The vitamins and the minerals. It's an amazing plan that God has. But we had to stress the importance of watering to Caleb. This was going to be her project. So we got her little watering can. And it was so cute. And she got the concept and she understood that she needed to water that plant every day. She understood the importance of water to that plant. Water is a good thing. It quenches our thirst. This water... Quenches my thirst only temporarily, though. But today's topic and the title is Quenching Eternal Thirst. Quenching Eternal Thirst. So it was cute to watch how Kayla watered the plants. And it was even cuter to see her reaction when the sprout came up. I was excited about that. Wow, it's happening. It's happening right before us. The sprout is coming up. And then the watering still needed to be continued. And it was. And then, thank God, a few weeks later, there's some bell peppers. Little tiny ones. Hanging on the, the branch. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing to see how that little seed in the soil with water and care and food, will now start to spring up. Not just one. There's multiple bell peppers. And the great thing about it, inside of those bell peppers are more seeds. More seeds. If we plant them. If we take care of them. They will provide for us nutrition. So this isn't, I don't want to get into a literal gardening discussion. That's not what we're here for. There's enough of that on TV and you can go home and you can watch it all to your heart's content. We're here for spiritual lesson. We're here for a spiritual lesson. I don't know, maybe I'm simple minded or, 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 or whatever, but I, the Lord, I ask the Lord, teach me each day what you're trying to teach me. Show me. We all have events in our lives. Can we get a spiritual lesson out of those? Can we get a spiritual lesson out of planting a seed and watching it grow 
and having it come to life. Absolutely. There is a spiritual lesson in this for us today. So as we continue on, the the main text is out of John chapter 4. And we're going to talk about that. This is the story of the woman that Jesus Christ met at a well. And due to time uh, constraints, I'm going to summarize some of it. And then I'm going to uh, point out a few verses that the Lord placed on my heart. But here in John chapter 4, Jesus, in, in the first few verses, he's in Judea. And the Pharisees are trying to uh, create conflict or jealousy between John and Jesus. So Jesus says, okay, enough. We're leaving. You've rejected me. I'm going to leave. And I'm going to go to Galilee. But he doesn't take the route that the Jews take, which is avoidance of Samaria. They'll go around. They'll go around the coast or they'll go around the Jordan, across the Jordan and back around. They'll avoid Samaria because there's a there's a hatred amongst the Samaritans and the Jewish people. There's a conflict there. The Jews do not want anything to do with the Samaritans. So in verse 3, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he passed through Samaria. But the thing about God, he wasn't just, it wasn't a geographical um, directness of his course. He had an appointment. He had a divine appointment to meet with somebody in Samaria. God is not caught off guard. He is not surprised. He has a plan. And he knew he was going to meet somebody at a well who needed what Jesus was offering. He knew what this person needed. He was going to a place, and this person was going to find grace there. It's kind of interesting how the song and the message kind of blend together. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. So he came to a city in Samaria called Sakar, And he came to a parcel of ground Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. In verse 6, Jesus said, being wearied from his journey. And that's kind of interesting. Being wearied from his journey. Well, he's God. He's Jesus Christ. How can he be wearied from a journey? He's God. But he is also a man. It was a long journey. It's in a mountainous, mountainous territory. He was weary. He was tired. And he was thirsty. So he's both man and God. So he understands our weariness. He understands in, in our tiredness. He's sympathetic towards that. And he arrived there about midday. Actually, his, his, his meeting with the woman was about midday. And this woman, the Samaritan woman, had a reputation. 
had a reputation. We'll discuss that in a few moments. But Jesus came, met the woman at the well, and he had one simple request. In verse 7, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Give me a drink of water. He's thirsty. He's thirsty. And it's kind of interesting. This is starting of a conversation. This is the very beginning of the conversation that he's having with this woman. His disciples have gone away. They're, they're going to, uh, in, into town to get some food. So he's there one-on-one with this woman. And in verse 9 it says, Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. She even knows that there's conflict between Jews and Samaritans. So she's puzzled. Why is this Jewish man asking me for a drink of water? But see, that lures her into conversation. That lets her guard down a little bit. Knowing that he's humbling himself to ask her for a drink of water. It's just a drink of water. But in the Jewish realm, and the Jewish people thought it would be unclean. Jesus answered and said to her, and we need to pay attention here. This is Jesus speaking. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. So here Jesus is saying that he is a gift from God. That's a beautiful sound, isn't it, though? That's a beautiful sound. He's explaining. He's beginning the conversation of explaining to this woman who he is. They're at a place. And she's going to find grace. And here's the process. It's beginning. Simple request, give me a drink. She's kind of startled by it. And then he begins to explain who he is. If you knew the gift of God, he's the gift of God. Who it is who says to you, give me a drink. The person who's speaking and asking, please give me a drink, is a gift from God. She doesn't realize this yet. But he's beginning this conversation. He's beginning to show her who he is. And if she would have understood this, if she would have got it right off this, right off the bat, he says, you would have asked him. He would have asked me for a blessing. And he would have given you living water. Not this. Not what's in the well. Spiritual water. She has a spiritual need in her life. In this world, we, we get kind of like um, animals. Or, or, or We get kind of running around all over the place. We've got to do this. We've got to go here. We've got to do this. We've got to go, 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 go. We're in a go society. We go and go and go. 
We gotta uh, obtain things in our lives. We gotta accomplish things in our lives. We need to stop for a few moments. We need to stop and slow down and take a drink of the living water that God provides. His fulfillment of our spiritual needs, our spiritual needs, He provides for us. Nobody here is going hungry. Everybody here has got something to wear. We're all pretty much taken care of. But it's our spiritual need that God is talking about here. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Okay, okay. She's still not getting it, but she's not running away. She's not saying, okay, I don't understand what you're saying, and I'm leaving. She's trying to partake in the conversation with him. But still, she's thinking of that well in the ground and that water, literal water. She's saying, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? She's still thinking literal water. But that's okay. Jesus is very patient. He's very kind. And he will continue to carry on this conversation. But now she's starting to change the topic a little bit. In verse 12, it says, You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. She asks a question. But the thing is, is that he is greater than Jacob. He's greater than the well. What he has to offer is much more greater than what is sitting right in front of her. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. We need to stop here for a moment. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water, this water in this well, this water that the world's well has, we will thirst again. What are the things in this world that we're searching for that will create a thirst that will come again? This water definitely, I'll drink this bottle of water and and guarantee tomorrow I'll be thirsty again. Maybe this afternoon. What this world offers to try to quench our fleshly thirsts Our fleshly thirst. We need to understand that there's a differential here. This world offers a fleshly quenching for our fleshly thirst. But it's temporary. Whatever it may be. Money. Power. Job. Accomplishments. Whatever it may be in this world, it may last for a few days, a few months, a few years, but it's still temporary. Temporary. I remember the first time we brought, brought our van home, our Toyota van. It was home for one day, 
It was brand new. Not a scratch on it. I left the, the, the back door open. I was excited to bring everything in. Go to shut the door with the button. And a big old scratch right in the back of the door. One day. I was like, oh, man, it's not new anymore. But it's providing for our needs. But isn't that like things of the world, though? They're so temporary. You know, we get so caught up in entertainment, sports. I mean, I, I, trust me, I was an athlete in school. I played sports. I did it all. But I still found an emptiness in it. I still found a temporary emptiness. You know, we keep track of records. We keep track of, of, of teams. We keep track of this. And there's people who could spout off averages and stats and, and this and that. And, but what good is it? What benefit is it? What benefit? Movie trivia. What benefit is it? There isn't. It's gone. It fleets away. But what Jesus is offering will quench our spiritual need. That's our spiritual thirst. He will quench that once and for all. He will tell us and give us an understanding that what he is giving is better than what's in this bottle. It's better than what's in this well. It's better than what the world is telling us would make us happy. The marketers run wild with that. You need this to be happy. You need this to be happy. If you bought this car, you would be happy. If you bought this, you would be happy. Would you? Maybe temporary. Verse 14, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. Isn't that amazing? Man, I'm thirsty up here still. But it's temp- this temporary, very temporary. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of spring, a well of water springing up to eternal life. So not only are you going to, your thirst quenched here on earth, your thirst is going to be quenched for eternity. It's going to last more than just our days here. It's going to go up to eternity with us. And this poor woman, she's hanging in there, but she's not quite getting it still. In verse 15, Poor woman, I shouldn't say that. She's having a conversation with Jesus Christ. She's face to face. She's got a one-on-one going with Jesus Christ. He's not going anywhere and she's not going anywhere. That'd be cool. I'd like to take her place. Wouldn't that be something? Having a one-on-one conversation with Jesus Christ. Nobody around. But we can have that. And we're going to talk about that. We can have that on a day-to-day 
level in our lives. We don't have to be face to face. We have them in our heart. We do have them face to face spiritually. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. Again, she's thinking literal water. She's thinking about the water. Well, okay, I'll take this water. Then I won't have to lug around these jugs anymore. I won't have to go over to this well again. Then my thirst will be quenched. She's still thinking literal water. But the Lord is patient with her and is using her conversation and he's enlightening her. He's enlightening her. He's very patient with her and he is showing her he's not he's not like a salesman where it's a sales pitch. He's listening to her. He's listening to her conversation with him and he is responding in a loving way indicating who he is and what he can offer and what he does offer. He said to her, go call your husband and come here. Now, Jesus is taking the lead on this conversation. He is now redirecting it. He's getting down to the where the rubber meets the road. And he's going to point out What's important here? And what's important is dealing with sin. You cannot drink the living water that Jesus provides without answering the sin question. Are you guilty? Are you guilty of sin? The woman answered and said to him, I have no husbands. Is it a lie? Well, kind of. Jesus said to her, you have answered correct. You, you have answered correctly when you said, I have no husband. But she's not telling the truth. She's hiding it. Can you hide it from the Lord, though? Can you hide it from the Lord? The Lord knows what's going on here. But look at it. He's not belittling her either. He's not talking down to her. But what he needs to do and what he's trying to do is point out the sin in her life. He's got her attention. And now he's going into her conscience. And into her heart. In verse 18, for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. Well, the five husbands, it could, be the, it could be anything. You know, it really doesn't say whether they were, you know, they could have just abandoned her, they could have died. But besides the point, she was living with a man that wasn't her husband. And she was going to the well at off hours from the other people in the community. So she was kind of ashamed of herself. She was ashamed of herself. She had a reputation in town. In verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So there's four stages in the conversation here. Progression of he's acknowledged as a Jewish person, Jesus, 
Is he greater than Jacob? And now the woman is saying, oh, you must be a prophet. And think about that. Here's a stranger that comes into town and tells you your life story. Whoa. Wouldn't that be shocking? You'd have a conversation with somebody. I know you did this. I know you did this. I know you did this. Yeah, and you did that too. Wow. That'd be shocking. So she thinks he's a prophet. Well, if you know my life, then you're a prophet. And then she changes the subject again. And it goes into the act of worship. So she's starting to get a little more spiritual here. You can see she's coming a long way. She's coming a long way. And Jesus is guiding her through it. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain in verse 20. And you people say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. So she's going to address he's addressing the issue of worship with her. She changed the subject. So she's going to he's going to talk to her about the subject of worship. And he's going to enlighten her on worship. The Jewish people and the Samaritans were an outward worshiping society. They were missing the inner heart. They were missing on the inside. They were going through the motions. They were going through rituals and traditions. But God sees the inner heart. God sees what's on inside. We're not, we can't hide from Him. We can't live a, a double life, so to speak. One way in front of the Lord's people and another way in front of work people. One way in front of the Lord's people, one way in front of school people. We can't live double lives. He wants us to be clean. But He also starting to point out that yeah, Jerusalem was a place of worship, but that's old. That is not new. I am the new. It's going to be a place. You're not going to need a specific place to worship. It says in verse 22, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. In verse 23, it says, but an hour is coming and now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. We need to be honest with the Lord. And we need to be truthful with Him. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. The Father wants true worshipers. Verse 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now the woman is starting to get it. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ, and the one come." And that one comes, he will declare all things to us. 
That's the woman talking. She knows and has heard about the Messiah. Somewhere upon, in her life, that seed was planted. So it's, it's rising up. It's coming to her heart and it's coming to her mind. Hmm. She's starting to draw closer to the Lord. And now Jesus said something to her that just changed her life. And the thing is, is that it's not going to just change her life. It's going to change other people's lives. There's going to be a ripple effect to this next verse here. That is going to last for years and years and centuries and centuries. Even to this day. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am he. What an amazing statement. And the thing is, is that she heard it. She did not bring up another topic. She did not change the conversation. She heard Jesus Christ. At this point, the disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek and why do you speak to her? So here's where it is. Verse 28. She's heard Jesus Christ. She is converted. Her life is changed right then and there. And you can tell by verse 28. So the woman left the water pot and went to the city and said to the men. The woman just left. The water pot. She was so excited to tell someone. She was not trained in the, the, theology college or she was not, she didn't even read the word. She just had a conversation with Jesus Christ and came to an understanding of who he is and what living water is. And she got it. And she was so excited she wanted to tell somebody about this. She wanted to tell the people in her town. This is the lady. This is the woman who had a reputation. This is the woman who had baggage. Jesus did not tell this woman, okay, you've got, you understand who I am. All right. I need you to go and live clean for a month. Clean up your act. Then come back and see me. He didn't do that. He took her just the way she is. Right then and there. The only sin that keeps us from a relationship with Jesus Christ is the sin of unbelief. All this baggage he can deal with. All this baggage, he'll take it. I'll change you. That's okay. But come to me just the way you are. Come to me just the way you are. What an amazing thing. You know, here's Jesus Christ. He's bringing living water to this woman. And I go back to the story of of Cala who brought water 
to her plant. She had to get a water pot. She had to do it regular every day to give life to that little seed. She had to have a pot that didn't leak. She had to get the source of the water and carry it and take it to the plant. Jesus was the vessel that brought the the news of the living water and he was the supplier of the living water. So he was the source and the vessel to take it to this woman. We know where the living water is, hopefully. Do we get that? Do we take that? And do, do, we, do we deliver it? Or do we just drink it ourselves? Verse 29. The word of the Lord catches fire here. Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. Is this not the Christ? Is it? They went out to the city and were coming to him. The buzz is starting. People are heard through this woman about Jesus Christ. So skip down to verse 39. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. They believed him because of the woman. God is in control here. God is in control. And verse 40 says, So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Isn't this a contrast between where he came from in Judea, where they didn't want anything to do with him? The Pharisees were trying to strike up the jealousy and competition and didn't want anything to do with him. Here in Samaria, they wanted him to stay. They heard it. They heard it and it was bearing fruit. So it started with the woman. She got it. And it went to the town. And it multiplied and it scattered. So that one fruit had seeds inside of it. And those seeds went out and were planted again. And more seeds. And more seeds were planted. And more fruit. And it spread. And the interesting thing is that these new converts, they weren't narrow-minded. And we'll see that. It says, many more believe because of the word of the Lord. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that the one is indeed the savior of the world. The savior of the world. They were already looking out further than their little town of Samaria. They were not holding him tight. They knew that he was the savior of the world, not the savior of Jerusalem, not the savior of of Samaria, but of the world. 
Look at what transpired here. She met with Jesus. She recognized who Jesus is. What he was giving. She received it. And then she left. She left her water pot behind. She left everything that the world that she knew and left it. There's a song that I've been listening to. The well. And it's repeated over and over and over again. Leave it at the well. Leave it at the well. Leave the world. Leave that thirst that you think the world is going to quench with the things, with the accomplishments, with whatever. Leave it at the well and drink the living water that Jesus provides. You know, I'm humbled to be here before you to give you just a little bit of about this living water. And I was in my job, I, I work in the construction field. And a lot of what I do is I look at plumbing. I look at plumbing. Plumbing is something that we take for granted. We turn on the faucet, now comes water. We turn on the sprinkler, there goes water. But what we forget, what we really take for granted is the people with the skills who put in pipe. Pipe in itself is just a hollow tube. In itself, it's nothing but just a hollow tube. But what flows through it is water. I stand before you here just as a a piece of pipe. Nothing, if it weren't for the water that flows through. Nothing. We need that pipe for that water to flow. Each one of us are vessels to be used to carry this living water and disperse it like this woman did in her town. The living water of Jesus Christ. So coming to conclusion here, Isaiah chapter 49. One quote I'd like to share before we get to that. Irma Bombeck, she was a a humorist, a, a writer in the 60s, 70s, up to the 90s. And she had one quote. The grass is not greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. Think about that. Where are you watering your grass? Are you looking to something else? It plays on that, on that saying, the grass is not always greener on the other side. Are you looking on the other side? Are you looking to something else besides the living water of Jesus Christ? It's not always greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. So in conclusion, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 10, They will not hunger or thirst, neither will the scorching heat or sun strike them down. For he who has compassion on them will lead them and guide them to springs 
of water. Have you had a well experience with Jesus Christ? Have you had a place where you saw grace? Are you taking someone to the well? Are you meeting someone at a well to show them who Jesus Christ is? Is your thirst quenched permanently? Or are we still reaching for what the world has to offer to quench our thirst? Jesus Christ will freely give this living water. He did all the work. He did all of it. He went to the cross of Calvary. But all we need to do is receive that gift. The sin is not is rejecting Him. The sin is rejecting Jesus Christ. It's saying, no, no, not today. Not today. i got things to do. But Jesus is there. He's waiting at the well. The wa- waiting at the well. The song says, trust and obey. That we sung at the break. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That woman trusted Jesus Christ at that time. And now it's changed the world. Her testimony changed the town of Samaria. And it spread beyond its boundaries. Because of a conversation that she had with Jesus Christ. Can we show, Ed, can you put up the uh, picture there? There it is. There it is. That's Kayla's bell pepper. She don't like bell peppers, but she grew one. But behind it, there's more little ones from one little seed. From one tiny little seed. It's going to spread. I'm very thankful for this time together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're very thankful that we can be here today. And Lord, we pray that when we... We pray that this message will seek deep to our hearts. That as believers, Lord, we'll be sensitive to those who may not know you, that may be searching for the living water. May we take this as an example of how patient and how loving and how kind we need to be when we talk to folks about you, Lord. And Lord, we're just so thankful for your precious word. We're thankful for this woman at the well, Lord, who who is unnamed at this time. And, And we're thankful for her testimony. We're thankful for her her, her zeal after coming to know you. We're thankful for her, her energy as she went out into the, the town, Lord, and left it all behind to tell people about you, Lord. May we learn from this. Lord, as we go out to, into this world, Lord, may people see you through us and through our lives. Lord, we do pray for... Uh, our travels home for safety and guidance, Lord.
as we go out into this world. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for this this precious time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.